Hive Nation, and welcome back to the Hive Nation podcast. Each week, we have leading experts in personal and professional development share their journey and expertise to help you connect, engage, grow, evolve. Now, here's JB to introduce today's guest. Hey, thanks, Greg. Today's guest is uh, no stranger to the Hive Nation. Uh, he's a friend and foe of ours, uh, Mr. Rob Skarzynski. Rob, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me again. So today's uh, topic is going to uh, be all around Rob. This is all about Rob today. Uh, (laughs) This is going to be about executive coaching, the uh, trials and tribulations around executive coaching. And uh, Rob might have a story or two around uh, uh, the do's and don'ts of uh, executive coaching and or coaches that he's had. So Rob, why don't you take it away? Tell us about your executive coaching experience. adventures and uh you know first of all let's start with uh let's start with uh somebody who's had a you don't have to name names if you don't want to but somebody who's had a positive influence in you on you within uh, an executive coaching type of atmosphere yeah so i've had a, a number of executive coaches and I, I guess i'll just go back to why oh it's too loud in the mic um yeah so i started my uh, business in 2015 2016 and you're all by yourself um, you try to surround yourself with people that are similar in mindset, but those are hard to find. Um, so I thought, you know, a shortcut would be, let's get an executive coach who could help you know, kind of give me some of the frameworks that I need to be successful in, in my mindset and my thinking. So I started getting executive coaches back, I don't know, probably 2018, 2019, and I've had a number of them. Some of them have been really good and, and helped instill some of the frameworks I still use today, and some of them is just have been good, but have caused a lot of issues for me that I have to resolve. So, um, yeah, it's more, more, more than meets the eye in the executive level. I've told you, Jason, a number of times, I wish there was a platform that helped you find them. And, uh, that's of course what you guys are working on. So, yeah. So on a, on the positive side, where from, uh, from starting out a business and then getting to that next level of business, you know, where would that executive coach have helped you, whether it be in, uh, you know, bookkeeping or, or what have you, where, where was the most, most influential part of that coaching journey? Yeah, it was interesting because a lot of the coaches, I mean, anyone can be a life coach, anyone can be an executive coach, and then you, you give them a shot and you work with them. A lot of the times I could have coached them on a lot of stuff and they could have coached me. I was the one paying for them to coach me, but I certainly learned a lot. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think, so I, I would outgrow coaches quite often, very quickly actually. Um, one of my best and worst coaches was a coach who helped me just understand how business is structured and, and kind of really give me the, how does business really work? Um, you know, there's, there's, you get into business and it's similar to the, what you did as a job. And then how, how do you make the jump to like, actually, how do you own a business? How do you manage a business? What are the key components of business? So um, a coach helped me with a lot of that kind of stuff, uh, just understanding what are the components of business? How do you work on them? What, what's important? Um, the order of importance, um, you know, how to negotiate. So there's there's a lot of, of pros that, that come from it. Does an executive coach in that setting help you out? Like, of course, starting a business is always very risky, and you, you kind of have to, you know, stick your neck out there at times. Does an executive coach help you manage that risk? I don't think I don't know if they help you manage the risk, but they help you come to terms with the risk and understand what the true risk profile is. I think like one of the hardest challenges business-wise in my early career was when I was purchasing um, the other half of my business. I started a business with a business partner and I wanted to buy out his 
path because we had a conflict of uh, just what we wanted to do. Um, like he wanted to settle down, I wanted to grow the business. So uh, you know, 50-50 partnerships, in my opinion, don't work. Uh, I need to know how to navigate that. So I actually had two coaches at the time, um, kind of just kind of helped me process. There's the emotional side of, of uh, dealing with stuff like that. Uh, and then there's the business side of the deal. So I, I actually had coaches kind of helping me on both both those fronts. But very, very beneficial. And I would say that experience went really well because of coaching um, and helping me navigate um, and that sort of thing. Cool. I'd like to back up just a little bit. Shout out to Johnny Fedoric, risk, risk, risk.com. Of course. <laughs> so then after they helped you out going through like your, your risk profile and you know getting you past that, and now we get into, you know, using them on a regular basis. And you mentioned that, that uh, you, you coached them on some, and then you kind of outgrew them and went to the next one. So uh, let's, let's move on now to the next one where they, you know, you should be getting, you know, another one that's going to exceed your, your level now. Have you got there yet? Uh, no, that's kind of what I'm on, on the search for. Always looking for mentors. I think I um, stretch my life where I, I'm around mentors. Like I, I look at you as a mentor. I'm around a lot of people like that and have that relationship where I can learn from people. But as far as like a, a, an executive coach, I'm currently uh, not engaged with one, um, but you know, That's Robert at Skarzynski.ca. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but the, the, hey, that's what we're all about, right? Yeah, 100% what we're all about. We, as a matter of fact, had a meeting this morning with an individual who uh, is, she's not sure where she fits in within the mentoring or coaching or whatever, but she's definitely a mentor. And uh, Yeah, I think it's just, you know, you go into business and it's, you're, it's lonely, it's scary. Um, Having someone that's gone through it before is just a, a level of comfort. Um, they help process things that's come up. Business is very dynamic and things are always changing. And um, just having someone that you can kind of work with through all those those things are, are great. You do learn, right? Uh, so, I mean, I say I don't have a coach right now, but I am somewhat well coached. Uh, so, I, I do know mm -hmm. a lot of these skills. So, I'm, I'm looking to, to learn the next level of skills. But... Um, you may find them on the hypeprofessionalnetwork.com. Very, very well could, yeah. So the network.com speaking of that, uh, it will be launching soon, relaunching, I guess, yep. soon. And uh, it looks very, very cool. Yeah, show me. Yeah. Well, you got five bucks in your pocket? Not in my pocket, no. Well, okay. No free, no free lunch. No free lunch. Uh, Rob, I want to just back up to something you said on, you know, you, you grew out of coaches you know, quite frequently, you said. At the very beginning, you know, when you had your first, you know, real coach or real mentor that you looked at that person or you hired that person and said, yeah, they're my coach, they're my mentor. Would you say going into it, you would describe yourself as a coachable person or did you get coached to that? I was always extremely coachable. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just part of leadership where you have to be coachable. Like if you expect other people to be coachable, you better be coachable. So uh, from that perspective, yeah, I have. I was always coachable, and I think that's why a lot of coaches wanted to work with me. Uh, a lot of coaches, they, they might say no to you, right? Like, they, they could say that we're not a good fit because um, I could teach you all this stuff, but what are you going to do with it, right? Yeah. Um, so, you got to be, you got to be 100%. Um, the greatest basketball player ever was coachable. Who's that, LeBron? Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the podcast. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> Rob just got thrown out the 11th floor window. Anyway, it's so easy. To it's Michael Jordan. Yeah, it's Michael Jordan, not LeBron James. For the I'm record. aware. I'm aware. I know you are aware, and I know why you said it. It's hilarious. Because one hundred percent.
<laughs> so anyways, uh, can you also tell us a cautionary tale on uh, coaches? Yeah, um, cautionary tale. So I had a, a, I guess a, I guess the main lesson is who's the coach and who's the player. Um, sometimes you run into a situation where um, the coach used to be a really good player. And uh, working with you, he thinks that he can be a good player um, instead of you being a good player. So I, I had a coach that was always trying to kind of just push me to the side and he step into the game and, and, and play, um, which I don't think is the right position for a coach. Negative. So I, I, in, in Coach-athlete relationship, whatever, um, business situation. Um, I'm the one who should be playing and he should be helping me and, and guiding me. And, and I, that led to a lot of... Uh, Issues for me following that guy's uh, suggestions because uh, you know honestly a, a business coach or someone from outside of your business ultimately doesn't care about your business as much as you do and yeah. um, you know I think in your, if you have a business so that that should be your number one priority and uh, shouldn't delegate anything um, yeah. should delegate some things but not the big things and um, I was led kind of down a path where I was delegating too much to my coach uh, which just led to too much damage, uh, damage I'm still kind of working through, but um, ironically, it has made me a better business person. Um, you know, when you get into bad situations and having to navigate through them, you're not scared of them anymore. You know how to handle them. Um, you know how to kind of deal with things. So uh, still kind of coaching me because of the damage that it was caused. But uh, if, if I could avoid that, uh, that would have been great. Maybe I'd be further along. Maybe I'd be, for, you know, further back. Who knows? Yeah, but, who knows? Um, yeah, I just I keep an eye out for, you know, if, if a coach is trying to step in to the batter's box uh, for you, um, it's not a batting coach, right? That's so it's kind of the lesson I learned from from that. So well, how would you uh, <clears throat> what would you say somebody who's listening to this if they were have a coach that's you know maybe going down that path? What would your what would your uh, words of wisdom be to them? Yeah, I mean, and it can kind of get crossed up because like sometimes a coach is acting as a consultant and sometimes consultants have roles in, inside of organizations. But if you're feeling like your coach uh, or your mentor is encroaching on um, your ability to operate, uh, I think you just have to articulate that. And those are battles you want to pick uh, and uh, stay firm on. And uh, I think it ultimately ends up with a better response. That person should be making you better. Um, they should agree with you wanting to be better and, and being in that position. So. So would you agree that it would probably better to have a coach or a mentor that is, you know, completely uh, severed from you and just acts as that coach and or mentor and has really nothing to do with your business? It depends on what the coach is, right? I mean, you sometimes want a coach to help you navigate the business problems because business can have extremely difficult situations and having someone that's gone through them before is, is an asset, right? Yeah. Especially if you haven't. So. Uh, you, sometimes you want people in your business helping supporting your business and sometimes you just need someone helping like I want to I want to be a CEO coach a coach that teaches me how to be a CEO doesn't have to get in my business but can kind of help me like you should probably dress better you should probably act this way you know what I mean like brush your teeth exactly just uh, you know, sometimes uh, you just you want someone to tell you to put your clothes away right so um, what kind of coach do you want and there's so many of them out there right so and I think you have to just go through them quickly um, Try not to get into long-term deals with them uh, until you have some experience and know how it's going to work out. And I mean, that's that's my basic. Maybe there's a maybe there is a uh, underlying uh, lesson learned here is that maybe somebody should be uh, maybe a coach should be interviewed. I would say like you like for high professional, you should be vetting the coaches and and um, 
enjoying their quality and, and uh, just making helping that experience out because uh, it, it can be a very bad experience. A coach can be a very bad, troubling, damaging experience. I, I could argue that it's caused me millions of damage. So um, you got to be careful, right? So, so I think that could be a service that you guys wanna, might want to look at. Or I sure wish there was some sort of type of service that vetted coaches. Wow, that would be fantastic, JB. Huh. Should and work on that. I'll, I'll come back to that. Actually, I do want to talk on that from the Hive side. But first, Rob, I want to ask you a question on delegation, and then I'm going to follow up and ask JB the same question from a different scope. So with that cautionary tale where you said the coach was maybe becoming too much of the player in that situation, have you since then had, op- or had instances where you've had to tell a coach, you know, hey, no, I got this. That's my job. You, you've given me the tools to do it. Let me take this. Yeah, that was basically the conversation to kind of move on from yeah. that coaching partnership is, is uh, causing me damage. I can handle it. Thank you for everything that you've taught me. So, yeah. yeah. So, to further that, how to give somebody, the listeners, advice, like how can somebody do that professionally without, you know, severing it or, you know, maybe coming off a little too aggressive because I think a lot of times, especially people that aren't very risk averse, that, you know, that don't like conflict, that don't like risk, you know, they're afraid to just tell them, no, 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 let, let me do this. And they don't want to like offend them. Right. So do you have a tip for that? Suck it up. I don't know what to say. Yeah. I mean, I mean, life is hard, right. Yeah. And, and trying to avoid difficulties is, is not going to lead to happiness, at least mm-hmm. in my opinion. So, um, Hard conversations are opportunities. It's an opportunity. You go and you tell someone off that you're scared of, it helps you grow, for example, right? Yeah. I mean, um, you stand up to your bullies. Um, yeah. That's that kind of thing. Uh, sometimes you get walked over, sure, but uh, you, know, you, you got to have a line that can't be crossed. And yeah. you got to stand up for yourself when it comes down to it. And if you don't, you, you'll regret it. You'll keep yeah. thinking yeah. about it. It'll beat <clears throat> you up, right? That's a great answer. So, JB, on the delegation note, to you as a coach, uh, you've coached for quite a few years and, and you've had lots of coaches yourself. How can a coach you know, tell their client, like, hey, look, I'm not going to do this for you. Here is some steps that you can take to do it. Now go. I'm not. You can't dump that out on me. That's a great question. And that's what I, that's what I was kind of articulating to Rob there. But the, the, the coaches that I've had basically have given me the tools to play and then have basically stepped aside. And I put the tools to play in motion and then give them the update onto how the tools have worked. And then so um, there's some that have worked really good and there's some that haven't worked necessarily at all. But at the same time, there's always that, that update on those tools. And then you can, you know, the, my coach and or mentors have always been like, okay, well, if that hasn't worked, you should maybe go try this then. And there's always something else out there that you can you know put into motion rather than just you know kind of you know we always talk about thinking outside the box and uh you know if you can think outside the box you probably are better off than just following mainstream Mm -hmm. so uh you know that was the biggest thing with some of my coaches that their thinking was always outside the box and it's always it takes a while to maybe wrap your head around but at the same time, they're doing it for your well-being, not just to talk, like not just to hear themselves talk. So they're doing it for their own well-being. And so, you know, if you take that advice and you kind of, you know, if you put it towards 
your own thinking and you know you kind of a hybrid maybe yeah you just kind of run with it I think you're better off rather than just doing everything to the power of the law you know mm-hmm. or the, the word of the law and yeah that's that's what I found so far anyway and then sometimes I'm like god damn I really should have you know listened to that more closely to that and then I've kind of tried to backtrack and start over again <clears throat> you know yeah but that's a big part of it in, in whether you're the coach in the situation or the client um, you have to do things to learn. Yeah. You can't just read a book and then, okay, I'm, I'm good now. Or you can't just listen to a speaker or listen to your coach and go, all right, I'm good. Yeah. But no, there needs to be application. That's right. It's education, execution, follow through. Like you right. have to do the steps and then go your own way because that's why we're all individuals, right? We have to do it. We, we're, Rob's going to say something to me and Jason. Jason and me are going to take it in differently. You know, Jason and me think quite a lot alike, but at the same time, we still will go, okay, hmm, this is my interpretation of this. This is how I'm going to go about that advice. So, yeah. awesome. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question, actually. <laughs> I thought Rob was going to go. I know, I'm, okay. I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I was coached to talk less, so. Well, in this instance, <laughs> we're, we're actually asking you, I hear you, I hear you to talk more. You gotta ask me something then. I don't know what to say. What do you mean you don't know what to say? You're always yakking. Your I mouth. know that's the problem. I'm trying. <laughs> He's to, talking too much all the time. I'm, ah, I'm trying to. Yeah. Exa- there you go. You're not on a quota, are you? I am. Yeah. You are on a work quota. Eleven thousand words a day. That's it. <laughs> I did that before nine. <laughs> <laughs> Half of it was to himself. Yeah, exactly. Most intelligent conversation I had all day. Um, okay, so, you know, despite the humor and, and what just happened here, I think it's an important lesson. And I think sometimes people don't do what Rob said or not. You know, we talk about shut up and listen and, and you know, taking uh-huh. it in. There's an old adage, you know, that one of the most <clears throat> dangerous people in the room is the quiet person because they're listening and they're not just blurting out or talking to answer or talking to hear themselves talk. They're talking to add value to that situation. So can you talk a bit on like how that, that's something I would say you're really good at Rob, you know, how has that, you know, in certain situations helped you come out of a meeting or, uh, you know, a hard conversation better? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I blab a lot. Uh, I try not to, um, but with my friends, I, I blab a lot. But if I'm in a, in a business meeting, like for example, Jason was just talking, I, I try to not think and actually hear what he's saying. Um, and then afterwards, sometimes in, in that particular example, I didn't have anything on my mind to say because uh, I wasn't just thinking of something to spit out the second you stop talking. So um, a little bit of an acquired skill to not just blurt things out all the time, but um, that's actually really powerful. It definitely is. I never thought of it like that. You know, I think a lot of people, especially in the professional world, take a lot of time and, okay, don't just answer. That was a big problem. I still do it, but when I started my career, I was terrible at that. I was like, I have this idea. Let me hear it. Let me say it. Just let me get it out. Let me get it out. And then I derailed the conversation or, you know, there's no constructive because the my point had nothing to do with the potentially better point that person A or B said. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that awkward no, silence. Not at all. I was actually recently around uh, a few people who always had to 
interject. And I hate it. I find like there's there are people who interject to try to, I don't know if they're jealous of you or what, but they ask you how you're doing. You, you tell them how, and they'll just start interjecting with what's going on in their life and how amazing it is. And it's like, why are you asking me? Let's just. You don't care, obviously. So why would you bother asking me? You know, it just yeah. Conversation is a, is a skill set, and <laughs> I don't is. think everyone uh, everyone has it. And I think business has to you have to evolve your communication skills, and and they're not as black and white, cut and dry as they were taught in kindergarten. They're a lot more nuanced than that. You know, getting back to that uh, not speaking thing. Last spring, I had a, a, a Zoom call with four people on the screen, and I was giving a presentation. And after the uh, opening introductions. The lady in the bottom right-hand corner never said a word throughout the whole presentation, but yet the other three guys did. And they were always kind of, you know, into the conversation. She never blinked. And I literally thought that she had like a, a photo up there, you know, on Zoom <laughs> where you could just put a fake picture up there, right? And I literally thought that's what it was. But she was there the whole time, but just taking in everything. And then at the end, when I left five or ten minutes for, for questions, she jumped in and then like literally heard every word I said to the law and literally pointed out the things that I said and then, you know, said, that was a great presentation. Thank you. So I, I can, I can appreciate that more rather than somebody just, you know, giving me some bullshit line yeah. throughout the well, conversation. And the other thing is just cause there's silence. A lot of people just blurt out well, for sure. too much information. And a lot of times like I'm a strategic guy. So strategically just shut your mouth. Like sometimes you're puking out, Facts to your customer, you don't have to, right? right? Maybe you blurt out, hey, I'm gonna give you a discount. Never asked for it, right? But you're trying to fill that silence. Shut up, mm -hmm. right? So that was, I remember I was always coach, had a, a business call, a business coach would join me on the Zoom call or the Teams call, and afterwards he'd be like, You have to shut up. Like, you're saying, you're saying too much. Like, you did good here and here, but Jesus, stop talking, right? So it's uh, something I've taken to heart, and, and uh, Jason, you know me quite well. Probably doesn't sound like this actually happens, but I do try to talk less. <laughs> no, no, it, it's all good, Rob. <laughs> but yeah, no, I that's that's so true. Uh, the ultimate silence is the ultimate killer, mm. and people always need to feel that silence they feel. Uh, have you ever had those like uh, standoffs, those silent standoffs? You're with a sales guy; he wants to sell you something. He's gonna he's gonna be quiet and wait for you to say something. I will not say anything. He will break first. We can be silent for three minutes. That's just how it's going. And I, I'm wired this way. Like, it's a little game I play. You try that on me, I'm not going to just cower and start talking because it got quiet. Like, we're going to go into the happy place and we're going to wait it out. So if, if that's the case and say, let's say that's, that salesperson is skilled in the art of silence and then eventually the, the silence, they would break the silence by saying, so now that you have a minute to think about it, yeah, and, and there, there are some cases, and I need to find the exact specific examples, but there are some stories of people having like 30 minutes just in a boardroom, not saying an utter word to each other, waiting for the other person. And can you just imagine the pressure that's, you know, it, like sales is fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's funny. Shout out to my sales coach, J, J to, to the B. B. Uh, I've, I've used that tactic in, in my past careers where... I've done that and a big part of it is something Jason taught me and now we teach all of our clients it's the bird types you know who are you talking to and once you can start to understand like within 
you know, some people can do it right away. Some people it takes them, you know, a few minutes or longer. It doesn't matter. But once you can figure out, okay, this is how this person is taking in my information. Now I know I can just stop talking because they, they want to drive this conversation or they're all about relationships. They want to keep talking just keep going. And some are good with silence, <laughs> but then some where you're sitting there, you've given your spiel and then, you know, it, it, when you're on a sales call, just stop talking mid-sentence and see what happens. Mm -hmm. they, they won't know how to handle it. And they'll start talking and selling your product for them a lot of the times, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to finish your pitch. They stop your pitch with like six words left. <laughs> just leave it open like that. That uncomfortableness is, is uh, that friction is required for communication. It, it, helps, is. it helps bond people, right? I know you're right. If it's too uh, it. smooth, it's... <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. And we just did that. Because I did. I stopped before I was done. <laughs> that was perfect. So, you know, that's uh, that's just the thing. There's so many good books and people out there that can help you with that. And, uh, you know, again, every time we talk about coaching, it's the reason why we created the high. People ask us about our why. And it's to connect individuals, to connect teams to that person they're looking for. We don't care what you're looking for. If you need that guide, you know, to help you with your business or to help you with how do I have a professional conversation? How do I dress professionally? How do I do marketing? How do I do yoga? Yeah. Well, we have that process. And with the relaunch, you know, we upped the coach profile to where coaches can put their content in. They can put their videos. They can put their packages. They can make it easy for clients when you're on there. There's literally a button that says, let's talk. And it sends you to their calendar, to their email, to their phone number. So you can have that interview and you can check. You do not, you are not obligated to pay before you talk to somebody. You yeah. can go, hey, here's this guy, Rob Krasinski, and he specializes in rail and entrepreneurship. Excellent. Uh, let's have a conversation with him. And then you can find out talking to Rob or any of the other coaches where, yeah, this is the guy I'm looking for. This is the girl I'm looking for. Perfect. And they're going to tell you. This is the package you need to buy. This is the the deal. Let's get started today because there's going to be value share. Hey, you know, Rob, I, I I think I am going to connect you with the, the lady that we chatted with this morning. I think she would be good for you to chat with just to see. She's very much educated in building businesses from zero to yeah. multi-millionaire. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think it would be worth talking to her. Yeah. Another another thing I just thought of when you were talking, Greg, was your, your software should monthly ask the uh, coachee or the student uh, to rate the coach on a mm -hmm. ongoing schedule. That's an awesome idea. That um, is a great so, idea. So that you came up with that. That's incentivizing the coach to continuously deserve, uh, do high service. And if it starts to trail off, you can help transition people because uh, transitioning coaching is not always fun. I know I had something to tell you. <laughs> he actually <laughs> told me a great idea. <laughs> yeah. We're, give me those notes again. Did I get everything? <laughs> Well, and you know, that's funny. You said that <laughs> just like that. Also, when we were meeting with the, the lady we did this morning, we brought up another guest on the podcast, Rod Collins, talking about networks versus hierarchies. You know, in a hierarchy, there's a defined, here's the leader, this has all the power. And as you go down that, there's less and less power till you're a peasant, you don't have any power, right? Within a network, everybody has power. It doesn't mean everybody can do whatever they want. Uh, it means everybody is entitled to share what they have and to share their network and their ideas and knowledge. So Rob, that, that gives me an idea of what Greg just was just talking about. So in a coaching 
example or situation, say I'm coaching you, who has the power? Who has the power? Yeah. Um, the customer. 100%. Always. Who's, who's paying? It's a good answer. Mm -hmm. Right? If, if you're not paying, like if, if you're giving me coaching service and I'm not paying for it, then I would say you have the power. Right? Because you're literally paying for the service in that case. Yeah. For me. But, um, yeah, it reminds me I have to send you an invoice. Anyway, uh, um, Greg, you were mentioning somewhere something at the beginning of this conversation about uh, you wanted to discuss about being grateful. Yes. Um, so, Rob uh, gave me a great book recommendation. I love reading in The Alchemist, and it's it's a really unique book. And Rob, just explain to the people like your interpretation of the alchemist before we get to, okay. to the last So I, I would call it like a Bible, more of a Bible than a book. Um, a Bible on what? How to live. Mm, okay. Um, so it's, there's it's, the Bible. We all know what the yeah. Bible is. Yeah. So I, I would say it's it's a very spiritual book. It's about the, the shepherd boy Santiago and his experience and then finding out that everything, he had all he ever wanted, um, but the journey in trying to get what he wanted um, was the point of life. Um, and it's a, it's a beautiful book. Every time you read it, you're attracted to different parts of the story um, that resonate with you at the time. And I've probably, like, no joke, read that book. I don't read anymore. I just reread. Uh, I've probably read that book a hundred times. I've probably listened to it on audiobook another hundred times. Um, it's, it's just a great, it's a fantastic book for anyone that's on a journey or the hero's journey. Um, anyone who's going through anything, I think, uh, will find parallels in their life in that, in that book yeah and like that's the way you describe it to me and that's why I got it and uh, you know I've read it a one and a half times now in that sense and I've taken different things away from it and in this current read through it's it's on the gratitude it's something I've I've always really been taught and I've taken time to appreciate you know the people around me so for today um we're going to go around and we're going to give uh, a gratitude shout out of the week to a person, uh, a entity, a place. You know, what, what are you grateful for uh, as we sit here? Rob? Yeah, I'll just, I'll just carry on the same point of the alchemist and just the gratitude for the journey, the people you meet on the journey, um, the role they play, your role in the journey. Um, it's all really beautiful um, if you live and have a mindset where you think it's beautiful. Uh, so just grateful for just the experience of, of being able to go after um, my personal legend is what the uh, story is about. So um, just yeah, just just being able to have the freedom to, to do what I want and go for goals and that sort of thing, and, and doing for this a lot amount of years. Um, that's I, I'm very grateful for that. Not everyone gets that experience. So fantastic, JB. Well, because we were uh, discussing executive coaching and executive coaches today, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Cam Keller who's also a past guest on the Hive Nation podcast. Cam has a con uh, consult, what's his, Kaleidoscope, uh, Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope Consulting uh, Executive Coaching Services. And um, I recently uh, connected with Cam again, but Cam has helped me along my journey uh, tenfold. And so I'll give a shout out to Cam and uh, keep up the great work, Cam. Thanks. Awesome. Um, I guess it's my turn. Um, for me right now, uh, you know, I'm grateful for so much all the time, but uh, very recently, uh, it's the start of the new judo season and uh, big shout out to Michael Horley. Um, he was the judo SAS high performance coach 
for the last four and a half years. He's now in Wales, and he's the national head coach there. Um, but just grateful for all of the foundation he laid for me coming into starting coaching. And, you know, I just got my level two certification and it was a lot of the connections he gave me that allowed me to do that. And, you know, allowed me to really make a, a go at making an impact in, in a sport that's given so much to me. So, you know, thanks to Michael and, and all the other coaches that have, that have gotten me, you know, to that point in, in judo and, um, you know, just looking and I had a conversation on the way here on that to with our new head coach, uh, Josh Hagen. And he went, man, I was at Moose Jaw yesterday and there's some standout kids, like they just have that passion and being able to go, yeah, I saw that in them as well. And I have high hopes for this group and to be able to have, have an impact on that. It, it's just every day. It's like every time I step on the mats, I'm just grateful for that. That's awesome. And the passion, whether it be in a sport or whether it be in business, is, is matched. You know what I mean? Like you have to have that passion or else you can't do it. You can't, you yeah. can't exceed at what you're trying to do. You can coexist, but you can't exceed in what you're trying to do. So, you know, have passion. Like you said, that was, that's, that's really good. Yeah. On, on that note, uh, also <laughs> today I was listening to uh, Zach's podcast, the Canadian podcast, and he had Sean Taylor on. Sean Taylor's one of the founding members of uh, Joint Task Force 2, and he was talking about exactly that, but he, ref he connected it to the game of Monopoly. We all know how to play Monopoly, you know, everybody, for the most part, has played a game, and sometimes you get so frustrated, you can just throw up the dice and flip the board, and you're done. But then you can set the board back up after you've calmed down, you can play again, and, and you've learned to play a little bit better, and then the next. And he's like, and life is just like that. You know, sometimes we start something and maybe we are not very passionate about it, we get frustrated with it, but then we come back and we can either completely forget about it or we can apply the passion we have for it to move on and do it better the next time. And then we're gonna hit a brick wall again and we can do it better the next time. So yeah, I think it's a really important thing. Um, you know, we don't need to always focus on the dollars that we're making from what we're doing or the accolades we're getting or people holding us on our high horse. It's what's the personal gratification you get from Mm -hmm. for applying your passion because not every passion needs to make money I think all three of us know that mm -hmm. and I, I hope a lot of the Hive Nation listening to this you know, take that and run with it if your passion is making mugs be great at it mm -hmm. love it and, and apply the passion to that or, or whatever it is yep. I learned a, a Monopoly hack speaking of Monopoly I learned a Monopoly hack this weekend what oh. is that? So when nobody's watching, you kind of just slowly stash like a few bucks underneath your leg. And so when, like, when everybody looks at you and you got like no money left, they're like, wow, I'm not really gonna go after that guy's got no money left, right? So then they go after the next person who's got all their money stacked up top. So that when you have no money apparently showing and you land on something and you say, I wanna buy that. And they're like, you can't buy that. And then that's when you go. Yeah, you set, <laughs> set up a trust. 100%, you set up a trust. <laughs> See, I have like a multi-year winning streak in Monopoly. So, <laughs> yeah, because of that? No, not because of that. Oh, just, just by basic luck. strategy. Well, it's all it's all statistics, right? A lot of it. So, it is. please please share. No, we'll just play one day. Yeah, Ooh. let's play. You got to know like each each area has different value for they a specific do. for a specific yeah. reason, right? So. Um, you can get to get away with some trades if you know like higher likelihood of over here these pieces are worth more right for sure 
Let's do Maybe we'll live stream it. We could do a live stream. <laughs> yeah. 45, 45 minutes and uh, yeah, as long as there's no like uh, collusion going on, that, that's okay. I can't promise that. So we need, <laughs> we need the fourth guy, right? So Guy, let's okay. bring in Guy and live stream on the live on stream the Hive Nation on the Hive Nation, and we'll play a forty-five minute game of Monopoly. Okay. With Jack Daniels. Okay. Do you want to do it on the Nintendo Switch, or do you prefer to do it? No, no, real board. No, real board. Hundred percent. Real board. Okay. Real Cold board. hard cash. Real board. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Old school. Okay. Okay. Guy, if you're listening, you better be listening, Guy. Uh, put that in your calendar. Oh, fantastic. Rob, thanks. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the Hive Nation podcast again. Anytime you're welcome. Okay. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Except for tomorrow, I'm busy. I have a full frontal lobotomy book. But, anyway. but anytime other than that. Okay. <laughs> anytime other than that. Rob, appreciate it again. Hive Nation, we're out. <laughs>